This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Sip. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. All right. This is a podcast about survival stories and Mm -hmm. wine and Mm -hmm. anything else we want to fucking talk about. (laughs) All the things. We love all the things. There are rules and we make them. (laughs) It's our world. You all just live in it. Right. Um, So we're still in isolation in in the old quarantine. Um, I have a little cough, which is, it's not coronavirus. It's like, I think it's allergies, <coughs> but, um, there it is. Uh, but I feel bad if I'm ever around anyone who's not in my family. Cause I, I feel know. like they're, I feel like they're judging me. Right. I agree. Me too. <coughs> oh, are you, are you judging me right now? No, I'm not judging you. Oh, okay. Perf. Perf, perf, perf. Okay, good. No, I would never judge you. Oh, mm. Jenny, I didn't tell you. So Mm-mm. I was walking Callie. Oh my God, no, I dog, Yes. And I saw your friend and she was like, are you Danelle? And I'm like, hi, yes. How do you know me? And she's like, I recognize Callie because she listens to the podcast. Yes, she was listening Guys, to it and she was walking. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was great. And I was so like, I heard Shout out Connie. Yeah. Yes. Shout out Connie. It's nice to meet you across the street. And she was like, it was a little weird because we were really far away. So we were shouting at each other. I know. (laughs) And I had my headphones on. I was listening to My Favorite Murder. Oh, she was listening to Sip Survivor Pete. So we were both like yelling across the street to each other. So it was great. I love it. Oh, we had a little bit um, of. Yeah. A little bit of like social contact. Yeah. Human interaction. Yeah. Um, Hold on. We had. Wait. Sorry, I'm going on Instagram while we're on the phone and it's anywho uh somebody named instagram named Britt dunlop said just discovered your podcast today i love true crime and wine so it's a perfect match p.s i also have a white and fawn bulldog then i oh. so i so i was excited and i said thanks so much for listening what's your bulldog's name so her bulldog's name is kirby so shout oh, out kirby. i love that yes um and then we also had if i can find it quickly talk amongst yourselves while i look kenny what are you while jenny's looking for that what are you drinking uh i am drinking an ipa right now by i don't know how to pronounce this brewery heretic i think is how you pronounce it okay and Mm -hmm. it's called you can't handle the juice (laughs) but can you but can, I can. But can you? <laughs> Very good. Is it what hoppy? kind of flavor? Yeah. It's a New England IPA. So, you know, a nice smoother one, a little oh. juicier. Okay. Not too, mm-hmm. not too hoppy. It's more of a those juicy IPAs, but it's a nice 8.5%. So, yes. That's always nice. Nice. So now, what that's are you drinking? Good. I am drinking. I left the, I'm upstairs in my bedroom, or in the spare bedroom, so I can have a better, maybe, audio experience, or you guys can have a better audio experience. <laughs> um, so I don't know the name of the bottle, but I will, I can send you a picture later if people really want to know. Um, it's just a red Pinot, and it's mm-hmm. very smooth, and it was on sale at Giant Eagle. I went last night, I had a mask, and I was oh my like, God, yes. I need, I'm like, I need wine, and Todd needed beer. 
And so I, I went to the liquor store slash wine store at Giant Eagle and I just grabbed like three bottles of wine and they're having great sales right now. So I grabbed three oh, bottles good. of wine and then I grabbed two six, like IPA six packs for Todd. So, and it's delicious. Excellent. Um, so I have to ride Donna tonight, our other, um, official, uh, sip survivor mascot. mascot. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't know, she is a horse and she is all mine. I've waited 38 years for this day uh to own a horse but i'm drinking i so i went to all i went to aldi yesterday because we needed groceries bad i didn't have a mask yet so i felt a little nervous but my mask did it came in the mail today so now i I own a mask um okay so i am i got some hard seltzer because i was looking for something that was a little less potent than wine on the night's when we record and then I have to go ride a horse. <laughs> um, so I got, it's called Vista Bay hard seltzer and I got the Ruby grapefruit. Ooh, so um, that sounds I've delicious. Ruby grapefruit. Um, White claw is my favorite flavor of white claw. So I figured that a Ruby grapefruit of this, they also had one though, that was lemon coconut. That sounded that intriguing. One. It's is it good or good. no? Okay. Okay. I made the right decision then. Um, cause the Ruby grapefruit tastes very much like white claw, Ruby grapefruit. Have you had the tangerine white claw yet? Mm-mm. No. Oh, it is delicious. It's in their new variety pack. It kind okay. of reminds me of like a high C, like the orange high C's. Oh, oh. hi Declan. Yeah. The tangerine. Oh, it's so good. Cause that's Todd's like favorite hangover go-to. Hey, can so we pa- can can we pause for one second? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. What were we saying now? Tangerine white claw. Oh yes, tangerine white claw. And then you were saying something about Todd. Oh, okay. So the best. We are convinced that an orange high C is like the best hangover drink, mm-hmm. mixed with a Five Guys cheeseburger or any cheeseburger, but Five Guys in in particular because it's extra greasy with like the fries. I so you got to really have the orange enjoy- high C in there. I like the orange high C, but I prefer a fountain Coke from McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, the orange high C is not. Yeah. I like a fountain Mountain Dew from like a Speedway or something. Oh, okay. See, the orange high C is not my jam. I prefer root beer. Ugh. I love root beer. I could could chug root beer. All the sugar. Oh, yeah. All the sugar. I hate root beer. I think it's the grossest. Oh my god, Jenny, it's my favorite. Um, I am obsessed right now actually with um Hawaiian punch. And I don't know. I think it's just because oh. Donald started buying it and then I started drinking it That's and now random. I can't now I can't stop. Oh like it's god. so good. And one time he bought he bought Hawaiian punch that was carbonated, and I was like, this is not correct. I cannot chug this if it's carbonated. No. no. So he he went back and got me the uncarbonated. It's called uh ohana fruit punch is real good it's real good i actually just forgot we were recording a podcast like i'm just having a normal (laughs) conversation with you i'm sorry (laughs) just like blabbering on okay let me let me bring you back for a sec because i did find that email uh judith king wrote us an email and she said Um, Hello, Jenny, Danelle, and Kenny. I am a recent fan of the pod. And while this email is not about a survival story, it is about my personal experiences with moss and quicksand in North Carolina. 
Oh, you know how much I love to talk about Moss. Hell yeah. Well, remember that she says, I just listened to episode 55 about the Boy Scout who got <laughs> like lost in the it. North Carolina mountains. And I was very glad that I had waited to write in. Because I said Moss like a thousand times. Kind of like the time I yeah. said crevasse a lot. Mm. Okay. She said, I've lived in North Carolina my entire life. Yes. So I've had my fair share of incidents <laughs> involving nature here. I went to boat landings often as a child. And while I was aware of Moss and tried to be careful, occasionally I busted my ass anyway. One particular time, I slipped in such a way that the top of my foot was facing downward toward concrete. What's this? Uh, hold on. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I slid and tore about a quarter-sized chunk of skin off the top of the joint that connects to my big toe, and I had Ow. all kinds of nasty stuff in the wound. I still Ooh. have a scar. Approximately 15 years later, please he- uh, heed my precautionary tale and do not underestimate the capabilities of mossy rocks. And then she says, now on to the good stuff, as promised. I also have a tale of a quicksand encounter. Four years ago, I was working my first field research job. While conservation biology is my passion, I just wanted to work in any biology field in order to get experience. So I accepted an entomology position working in cotton, corn, and wheat fields. I was working alone one weekend, as I occasionally did because money, and I was in a cotton field the day after a major rainstorm. Like, full-grown tobacco plants were knocked over so far that they had to be dug up and replanted kind of a rainstorm. Being a decently sensible person, I wore my knee-high rain boots so that I didn't get clay and sand all over myself in my car. As I was walking between two rows of cotton, I suddenly found myself knee-deep in quicksand. I tripped on the way down, bringing my second foot into the muck. And as I realized what was happening, I made sure to keep moving forward. The suction was very intense, but my boots were just barely taller than the hole I was in. So it wasn't completely stuck. Oh, so I wasn't completely stuck and was able to use my momentum to take a third step. I was also stronger and more flexible than I am now and decided that foot had to get above ground during that step. That turned out to be a good decision because my foot found purchase on solid ground and I managed with quite a bit of effort to pull myself out. So, yeah. I didn't know there was quicksand in in that area of the world. Apparently, later in the email, she says, when I told my boss, he said that happened to him in the field all the time. So if you ever find yourselves hiking outdoors, maybe keep your phones on you, sealed inside Ziploc bags, just in case. Yes, people. Keep your phone on you. And boss, her boss should have given her heads up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey, heads up, there's some quicksand out there, lady. Uh And then she said, thanks for the entertainment and snuggle the mascots for me. We, of course, course will. Of course. That's great. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) So we had a couple nice uh, things. Also, if we owe anybody a um, sticker, which I do owe a couple people, um, I apologize. They are at my office at work and we are not going to work right now (laughs) so I don't have so I don't have my stickers so as soon as we are allowed to go back into the building I will resume sending stickers to whoever uh, I owe those to so you will get your stickers yeah don't be mad it's a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) um okay all right that was a very long intro but uh it was it's okay Okay, are we ready to talk about some stories? Let's we are, it. yeah. Who okay, should go first, you... Kenny? Kenny doesn't even, even know. know. What stories are. Um, I can go first if you guys want. Let's sure. Do it. <laughs> okay. 
Um, just so I can drink during Jenny's. Okay. So <laughs> this is the survival story of Sebastian Neeson and Ludwig Fiade. Okay. I'm going to mess up these. I'm going to go by their last names the whole story. So it's Neeson and Fiade. And I'm sure by halfway through the story, that's going to, I'm going to be saying them differently in English terms, but it's fine. So um, it was July 2010. And for almost two years, these two longtime friends had been training for a two month long kayaking expedition, um, which sounds awful. So the two were attempting to become the first kayaker, kayakers to paddle across the entire, um, here we go, Savelbird mountain range. Um, actually it's like an mm-hmm. Island. It's like basically like where the North pole is. Okay. People. So it's like Norway, Sweden, like all that area. It's like basically North. it's Santa's private Island. Let's it's, be honest. They're, they're, they're kayaking to Santa land. So we're talking <laughs> that area. Cool. Okay. Um, so they were attempting to be the first kayakers to paddle around this entire or more than a thousand miles basically to this remote region. Let's just put it that way. So this specific, this specific region is Norwegian. um, It's a Norwegian ice Island and it's between the mainland in Norway and also the North pole. And it's one of the world's most northernmost inhabited areas. So two things, it's fucking cold and it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, It's known for its rugged remote terrain, glaciers, frozen tundra, and also polar bears. Mm-hmm. And can I, do reindeer. A quick, can I do a quick sidebar on polar bears? Yeah. Okay. One time I lived in a town in Northeast Ohio called Lakewood. It's a very fun and hip, trendy place uh, these days. It was when I was younger too, when I lived there, but it was like, where is this ma- going? <laughs> okay. So I was driving down the main drag of Clifton Boulevard, which Mm -hmm. you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, It's, let's see, six lanes across with a turn lane in in the middle, but it's like a 35 mile per hour situation. And there's beautiful Um, homes on the side. uh, It's a great little scenic drive. Yeah. Love it. So I'm driving along and I look in my rear view window or mirror, (laughs) mirror, And I see what I believe to be two giant polar bears crossing the street. What? The six-lane street in the suburb of Lakewood, Ohio. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I like, I couldn't slow down. They were behind me, so I couldn't really, like, turn around and look. So my friend Megan, who also listens to the show, I think she was working at the zoo at the time. So I immediately reached out to her and was like, is the zoo missing any polar bears? (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) Jenny, were they? No, they definitely were not. But um, then I, I think it was a couple days later, maybe a week later. I saw the two polar bears. It was just two really big, white, fluffy dogs that someone was walking. <gasps> so I was going to say your story is better than my story. Maybe. Nope. No, nope, it's nope. not. It's just uh, apparently looking in your rearview mirror at white, fluffy dogs can lead you to believe that polar bears have escaped the zoo. It was probably like an Alaskan <laughs> Malamute or something like probably. that kind of dog. But I'm telling you, in my mind, they were escape polar bears because I didn't see anyone walking them. I just saw them crossing the street and I was like, shit, someone should alert say, the zoo. 
someone was dressed up, it turns out that it was like a costume because Lakewood's <laughs> also like like very like kind of young and hip, and I thought maybe it was like someone's playing a prank. Okay. <sighs> no dogs. Okay. <laughs> so um, this area is known for a lot of polar bears, reindeer, and Arctic foxes. But most importantly, polar bears, hint, hint. Okay, so <laughs> to get fit, the kayakers, um, they kayaked through before they left off for their journey. In the two years that they prepped, they um, kayaked through ice-filled rivers. They pulled heavy kayaks over ice, um, over ice, and then they jumped into freezing waters just to, like, toughen themselves up. Um, they were also lifelong hunters, and they got ready by sprinting up hills, loading up their rifles and pulling the triggers just to be like ready at any point for anything. I feel like they um, should have just come to my house this Saturday. Like I real, like I said, I worked up a good sweat and we were just cleaning clean. out a playroom. So. They would have got more of a calorie burn. <laughs> for shizzle. <laughs> As many Arctic experts had told them that if they need to defend themselves from anything, it would be from the polar bear. Yikes. Um, and that they'd have little time to think so in preparation for this, they also carried a rifle and a waterproof bag that was attached to their kayaks as they journeyed to the Arctic islands. I just um, want to say kayaking for a long distance. Not a fan. Sounds awful. And aren't kayaks the things that you can flip over in? Yes, you okay. can. And I've cool. been in one kayak before and Todd and I went down like the Cuyahoga to Lake Erie mm-hmm. and I made it maybe like. I don't know, a half a mile and I was done. Like it's a lot yeah. of work. Yes. Especially if you're like, if you're in it alone, even if you're in it and with someone, I feel like, no, I was in it alone. And like, we each had our own and it was hot. So imagine <sighs> it being freezing cold. What if you flip that shit? Like you're done. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's probably why yeah. they jumped into freezing places to like, yeah, get used to that case. Yeah, probably. Because, like, also, there had um, to be waves out there. Anyway, go ahead. There Sorry. had to be. Yeah, it's the ocean. Um, <laughs> it's the fucking so ocean. It's the ocean, people. It's not Lake Erie. Okay. Okay. So, a little bit about polar bears. They only live in northern Arctic areas, which I guess I didn't realize. Um, they also and the zoo, large... and occasionally Lakewood, Ohio. And, and on Clifton <laughs> Boulevard in Lakewood. Um, they're among the world's largest meat eaters. Mm-mm. Didn't know that. Mm-mm. And the adult males typically weigh on average around 900 pounds. Damn. And I know. Their favorite food source are uh, seals. And they actually use the ice caps to help hunt for seals. So that's like their really only way to uh, be able to catch them. They mm-hmm. also, which this has nothing to do with the story, but I thought this was cute. They also touch noses with one another for approval on sharing food. Oh, I'm going to start doing that. And then when Donald tries to cut my nose, I'll just <laughs> slap him in the face. I'll be like, just <laughs> <it's> <laughs> in fact, their noses are so sensitive that some researchers say that it can smell a decaying whale carcass up to 20 miles away. Jeez. 20 miles. That's a yeah, really a- long way. A decaying carcass. Now, I told Todd this fact, and I left out the decaying part. I just said Uh they can smell up to 20 miles away. And he was like, there's no way they can smell up to 20 miles. And then I reread this, and I'm like, oh, I meant a decaying carcass. He's like, okay, that makes much more sense. That makes much more sense, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's pretty impressive, because I feel like I can only smell dead things from, like, five feet away. Maybe Yeah, I have a terrible sense of smell. So, 
Um, they set out on their journey on July 5th, 2010, and they averaged about 15 miles a day. And by the end oh, of July, 15 so, miles a day. Right. And oh. then listen to this next line. Um, oh, by the way, I got the story from Reader's Digest. Um, so 15 miles a day. And by the end of July, so they had been kayaking for almost 30 days at this point. Um, they had reached the northern shore. I'm not even going to pronounce the island of the Arctic Smart. island. Mm-hmm. Um, of Santa's so, land. It was, it's a very long word. Um, mm-hmm. So the wind started to pick up on this island and um, the sea grew super choppy. So they decided to head for shore and camp on the beach. And the beach that they camped on was called Extremeokin. Or extreme, <laughs> extreme hunkin, whatever. It had the word extreme in it. So mm-hmm. as they paddled alongside each other, um, one of the guys made a joke and said, funny the name of the place has the word extreme in it. I wonder if this means something extreme is going to happen here. Like, ha, 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 ha. Well, and then he knocked on wood, except where you couldn't find any. Right. Little did they know. Okay. So their kayaks pulled onto the beach and they pitched their tents. They set up camp. They also rigged up tripwire around like nine feet away from the tent mm-hmm. um, on the campsite. Mm-hmm. So it would be basically if something, if an animal came, it would trip the wire and a series of small explosions would go off, warning them so they could right. grab their rifles and be ready. Right. Um, so on the second day, the two awoke and the winds were still really bad and the seas were still really rough. So they made the decision. They checked the weather forecast. They did have a satellite phone. Um, they also checked the weather forecast and they decided it would be smart to stay one more night. And because the following day looked like it was going to be more clear and, and better seas. So later that second day, um, one of the guys, it was Neeson, was chasing a tarp that had blown away and he tripped over one of the wires and set it off. Mm-hmm. So he had to quickly like re-rig it, like reset it up. Um, mm-hmm. So as they did every night, they tucked in together. They were both in a double tent and they had their rifles next to them. They were loaded close at hand and they could hear the wind howling outside and they both fell asleep very quickly. A little did they know that a polar bear was not so far away. Mm. So in the middle of the night, a polar bear burst through the tripwire, which mm-hmm. didn't go off. Uh. So, yeah. So Neeson, whenever he had accidentally set it off earlier in the day, had not, it just wasn't wired properly. They don't really know why. So it didn't mm-hmm. go off. So um, Neeson actually. got Macaulay Culkin up there because he did a really good job on Home Alone. So. <laughs> yeah he would have um, been able to get those wires tripped or make them so they could be tripped um Neeson awoke to a crashing sound when the bear trampled the tent so the bear had made it to the tent ripped it to shreds with one swoop of its paw oh, Jesus. and Neeson actually shouted uh bear really loud and as he yelled he felt the bear's jaws lock onto the back of his skull, <gasps> pulling him from his sleeping bag. Mm-mm. And all Mm-mm. he could do, all he could see was a towering mass of white fur. Um, so the bear's teeth sank deeper into his skull. Ugh. And he said it uttered a low-pitched guttural growl that he had Ugh. never experienced or heard before. Um, well, yeah, especially since he probably heard it from inside his head. Yes, his head was inside the mouth. So um, he was able to grab his shotgun, though, as the bear grabbed him, which I it must have been like in his hand. And 
so he had it in his hand and the bear, and the bear actually was dragging him out of the tent. He was screaming at the top of his lungs and he tried to hit the bear with one hand um, while pulling the trigger of the gun on the other hand, but nothing would deter the animal. So him punching it didn't help. And then um, suddenly the polar bear changed its hold and sank its teeth into his right shoulder. So it kind of oh. like kind of dropped him in midair and then re-grabbed him by his shoulder and shook him back and forth like a rag doll, uh, penetrating his flesh even more deeply with, with its teeth. Um, he said pain shot through his body as if an ice pick were being twisted into his shoulder. Um, he knew at this point what the bear was trying to do and he was trying to shake him unconscious so he could eat him. Um, the bear began dragging him onto the rocky beach and, uh, the shotgun was really his only chance at this point to survive. And just as he was thinking this, the gun, he lost grip of the gun (gasps) and the bear stepped on it and he heard it snap in two. And he thought to himself, I'm dead. I'm done. I'm a goner. Once he heard the gun break. Um, So at this point, all of this is going on. And obviously his co-sleeper and partner in crime, um, Fiade, woke up and heard uh, uh, Neeson screaming and turned to see that a bear was inside the tent. And um, the bear also during this time had stomped most of the gear Mm-hmm. So he was like struggling to find the, the gun, his gun, because it was like, mm-hmm. because the bear was so heavy, he like, the gun was like sunken into the sand. So mm-hmm. he was like frantically clawing around at debris. The tent was ruined. Everything around them was ruined. And he was trying to find his gun. And he also saw this bear carrying his friend, um, you know, across the beach and hearing him scream. So the bear ended up dropping Neeson some 100 feet beyond the camp. And he said that it stood on its back legs and roared with its razor sharp claws and oh. then pounced on top. And then he, he, wa- he was watching this happen, pounce on top of his friend Neeson and just Mm-mm. started clawing his torso. <gasps> yeah. Mm-mm. So blood covered his entire body and the bear put its two front paws on Neeson's chest, pinning him to the ground. And Neeson later described saying that. Um, he could feel himself being pushed deeper into the sand and he felt all of his ribs crack <laughs> and he could feel the, the bear's hot breath on his face. And he did look directly into the bear's eyes and he said they were cold and empty. Well, yeah, he's hungry. Like he's ready yeah. for a snack. And that's my he's ready for like a little... when I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get away. Bell. You know what I'm Right. Saying? He's hungry. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had a seal in a while. Um, so as this was all happening, the bear, um, noticed that uh, uh, Fiade was standing with a rifle outside. So he, fi- he finds the rifle okay. and he walks close to the bear and he's super nervous because he knows if he misses the shot, the bear is going to go after him. And mm-hmm. he's not even sure like one shot's going to do it. So he um, he's shaking and he aims at the bear and he was also afraid he was going to hit his friend instead. So before he could fire, the bear climbed off Neeson and sunk its jaws into the back of his skull again and stood straight up, lifting Neeson uh, several feet off the ground. Um, so it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, essentially, at this point. Mostly for um, Neeson, though. I mean, Mostly for Neeson. And at this point, it also said in the story that Neeson was like, shoot, like, come on, shoot, because he's just like in shock, too. Um, yeah. His friend. Well, they both are. But uh, Fiat, um then finally shot the shot and the bullet ripped into the bear 
and the ant, the polar bear did drop decent in the sand and he managed to sink its teeth back into him again. And Ugh. then, um, Fiade pumped four more rounds into the bear where he fell over dead. Now I am sad. The bear is dead. Yes. I, and bear I understand. Danger, right? I do not want, yeah, I do not want the bear to die. However, I mean, they had to do what they had to do. So I understand that. Right. So Neeson lay crumpled on the beach. Um, the back of his scalp hung loose oh. and his shoulder was shredded completely open. His body, his body was covered in, in blood and wounds and was just ripped to shreds, essentially. Um, Fiade carried him back to the tent. He covered him um, with compression bandages and wrapped him in the sleeping bag. And... Um, also call he used the satellite phone oh he said the blood or the tent just completely smelled of blood like it just was like this also Neeson thought at that point that his neck was broken that he was going to die soon which I mean he probably was going to die soon Mm -hmm. um so and they were like they're like we're gonna send help but we're gonna send kayakers so it'll be like only 15 miles a day it'll It'll be be there in 30 days we'll get there (laughs) stay warm (laughs) Um, Fiade knew that he had to keep, um, Neeson warm because it would be hard to survive in the freezing temperatures with all of these wounds. Um, he did, uh, he, so he used a cell, a satellite phone to call the, the closest hospital and, um, about 35 minutes later, a rescue helicopter was set. No, it didn't arrive. No, it hasn't arrived yet. So it took them about an hour and a half, two hours to get there. But the hospital did say like, we are deploying a helicopter. Like it's going to be a while. So Fied, um, just really tried to take this time to comfort Neeson and, and just tell him like, he talked to him nonstop during the whole charade and they did have morphine with them, but he decided not to give Neeson the morphine and Neeson didn't want it because he knew that, um, if he gave him the morphine and he went unconscious, it the chances of him dying were were higher because uh-huh. he wasn't, you know, aware what was he needed his blood to keep pumping and him to stay conscious. So um Fied was also really nervous about more polar bears coming because of the smell of blood. Um, so he not only caring for his friend, was also constantly scanning the horizon for other polar bears and he had his rifle ready to go. Um, so an hour and a half, two hours later, the helicopter touched down, two medics carried Neeson to the, the chopper and they gave him a saline drip right away and painkillers and, um, also like braces for his neck and bandages and all that jazz. So at the hospital, he went, underwent three hours, a three hour operation mm-hmm. and surgeons removed all the damaged tissue under his wounds and his neck wasn't broken but it was so badly bruising that or bruising really it was so badly <laughs> bruised yeah it was so badly bruised that that's why he thought it was broke so hurt so bad and mm. the doctors did say another few millimeters and the bear and the bear's teeth would have punctured his lung and cr- or crushed his skull oh, God. so basically he was really lucky to be alive um they said it's super common that bears uh if there is a bear attack, one of the things they do is crush their skull. Like when they attack seals, that's, that's the first thing they do is like chomp down their skull. So, well, and I don't mean um, to be like rude, but like, I feel like this bear would have been sorely disappointed because it sounds like these guys were super muscular from all their kayaking. And that's why they love seals are because they're super fatty. 
Right. So I'm like, you wouldn't have liked it anyway. So, but that also shows you the state that the bear was in because I mean, polar bears don't typically attack humans because we're not their tastiest treat. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think it probably was like, maybe it had like cubs to feed or I'm not really sure of its situation. Right. But I think it was probably desperate. Um, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. So he survives. He gets out. He's great. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. So in conclusion, they are still really good friends to this day. They're also talking about doing another mission together. Um, oh, their only their biggest regret is that the bear had to be killed. And um, yeah. Fiade actually has a hard time with it. He says that um, he still thinks that the polar bear is the most majestic animal in the world. And it was just trying to survive just like they were. So yeah. um, they're still, they're, they're still considering another expedition. They want to, you know, complete their journey. Um, but obviously Neeson has to, to heal um, fully, but, uh, but yeah, that's the story of Neeson and Fiade. And then also I thought this was funny if you ever encounter a polar bear, here are some tips according to Google to keep in mind. Okay. Good. Lu- Number one is good luck. <laughs> polar <laughs> bears. Polar bears are the biggest bears on earth, and they're much harder to scare than brown or black bears. <laughs> Number two, don't act like prey. Number three, do act like a threat. Number four, use bear spray. Number five, don't give up. Number six, good luck. <laughs> so he's very lucky to be alive. And I'll... Obviously, like we'll that it starts and ends with and... good luck. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So I thought that was just a crazy, you know, little polar bear story. Oh my God. I love it. I can't get over when people survive these attacks. Like, it just sounds like, no, you can't. I mean, he like crushed your head and like, yeah, was ripping at your abdomen. And I can't, like, I couldn't get off. Just... I was hooked and had to tell the story whenever it said that his scalp was falling off. Yeah, so like, that, oh my that God, kind of I detail can't. gets me too. I'm not gonna lie. Like, not and too he gross, like but... he didn't go. He wasn't unconscious. Like he was conscious the whole time. Like I just can't imagine. Yeah. So oh my God. Go. Well, well, good job. I really like that story, even though it was good. thank you. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. Awful. It's what um, we like. Okay, are you ready? I or am ready. Tell to get back me into a story. Okay, so. I apologize if this is a little choppy. I we were supposed to record last week, so I watched this like a week ago. Well, more like five, five, six days ago. <laughs> but it was another one of my very splendid purchases of the Surviving Evil season one. I love it <laughs> with Miss Charisma Carpenter as the host. Wait, is that uh, her real name, Charisma Carpenter? I mean. It is, but I don't know if it's her real, real name. She's act. She's an actress. Or like her stage name. Okay. Well, she's Probably an actress stage. by profession, but she was mm-hmm. also abducted at some point and survived, which oh. I will have to cover her story at some point, but I haven't looked it up yet. But that's why she's the host of this story. I mean, this show. What is wrong with me? Um, maybe this Vista Bay hard seltzer is kicking in. <laughs> I think it is. Woo! Okay, so this is Surviving Evil, The Devil You Know. So uh, this episode, it had two stories in it. So I'm just covering one. Um, But it was basically like about people who were attacked by people that they already know and and are in their lives, which is like more common than being attacked by a stranger, by the way, BT dubs. Um, 
So we're going down to identify those people in your life. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Figure out who's real fucking creepy in your life. (laughs) And get them out. And get them out now. (laughs) I mean, this is a perfect time because we're all like, you know, isolating ourselves. So like, just stop texting and calling that person. Perfect. All right. Um, So we're in North Carolina. And this is the story of cousins Christy Carroll and Tabitha Sells. And it's 2004. Christy is, um, she has a boyfriend and a five-year-old son. Uh, Tabitha is married and she doesn't have any kids yet. Uh, And they both were just like thick as thieves, like really close, almost like sisters. Um, They did everything together, including working together at the same windshield replacement garage. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, There was a guy there. His name was Edward Ratliff. But everybody called him Junior. So I'm going to assume he was the Junior. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is the red flag. He seemed quiet, normal, and like a regular guy. Nope, they're not. Mm-mm. Nope, not at all. Uh, Tabitha, in this documentary or, I guess, reenactment show, she's, she seems very bubbly and friendly and nice. And one day, um, she decided to bring lunch back to the garage for everyone. Um, And it wasn't like she even got something fancy. It's not like she went to a steakhouse and got steaks for everyone. I mean, she's working at a windshield replacement garage. So she went out and bought everyone hot dogs. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah, I mean, I would take that. Hot. Oh, yeah, I would take hot dogs all day. I'm just saying it wasn't anything special and it wasn't anything expensive. It was just... Fucking hot dogs. Yeah. Okay. Well, Junior's wife, Shelly, was there and got really jealous of this act. This hot dog delivery? This hot dog lunch delivery. <laughs> Take it easy. Take, Take it, it easy, easy. Shelly. So Junior's wife, Shelly, gets insanely jealous. They start fighting at the garage, and Junior then comes back with deep scratches all over his face. Oh my god over a hot dog over a hot dog delivery by a very married other person that he works with okay okay so tabitha is kind of unaware of this jealous spouse um but at this point because shelly is like you're cheating on me with tabitha i don't like tabitha so you can't like her either so Nothing is going on between Junior and Tabitha, but because Shelly, the wife, is mad, Junior starts getting upset with Tabitha a lot at work. He wants her gone. He doesn't want her working there. Um, He lashes out at her constantly, and in fact, he even called her a bitch on several occasions at work, which I was like, inappropriate, (laughs) HR. Yeah, and not her problem. Your wife is a (laughs) crazy person. Um, So... This whole thing started again because of the purchase of hot dogs, and Shelly Ratliff thought that there was there was a special meaning about that delivery. Mm-mm. And I was like, well, "What? Like wieners? Like I like your right? wiener? Is that what she's thinking?" Right. Like, I don't understand like what special meaning hot dogs have. To me, hot dog is just like a delicious summertime, like a delicious food. delicacy. Yeah, <laughs> I like to eat them at, at ballparks. When I like to open. put them on my mac and cheese. Oh, that's delicious. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Anywho, 
Okay, so now it is September 18th of 2004, and Shelly woke up and said to her husband, Junior, we're going to get this stuff straight this morning. Foreboding. Junior was like, he knows none of this is true. He is not having an affair with Tabitha. Nothing is going on with Tabitha. But he was totally willing to save his marriage through murder. Oh, my God. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, not good. Um, okay, so on September 18th of 2004, um, the windshield replacement garage had finished their installations by 11.35 a.m., um, like their scheduled replacements. So Junior comes in, and Tabitha and Chris, Christy, uh, the cousins, are surprised to see him because he wasn't supposed to come into work that day. Um, Christy puts on a happy face because she's like, I think he's like a manager or he's higher up than them. So whatever. But then the door opens again and Shelly, the wife comes in. Oh shit. And she's got hot dogs. <laughs> and she just starts. She's like, hot no, dogs she's got out. hamburgers. She's like, I'm going to one up you. I got a burger. Okay. Motherfucker. I got five guys. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Shelly walks in and she says, get on the floor. You're not going to mess with my husband. Oh, my God. Psycho. And then she said, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh because it's really not good. But you're not going to buy my husband a hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) But wait a minute. Are they kosher hot dogs? Are they skinless hot dogs? Like, let's talk about the variety of hot dog they are. The natural casing? Are they they bun length? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If it's not bun length, I'm kind of pissed. And here's the thing. If I'm going to accept a romantic hot dog and it's not bun length and it has the skin on it, goodbye. Here's goodbye. the thing. I don't mind a good natural casing. A little crunch never hurt anyone. But if it's not mm. bun length and I have to eat bun without dog, <laughs> done. I also don't want you to put my condiments on for me because I don't like mustard. So if you're going to put mustard on my shit, walk away. And like bitch, I, want ketchup, I need relish. I can do it myself. Yes. Ketchup, relish, onions, sure. You put mustard on an independent woman. Yes, that's right. Okay, sorry. This is getting derailed. I'm sorry. It's fine. (laughs) That's why I picked this case because I was just like, we're mad about hot dogs? This is amazing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is where it gets serious, okay, everyone? So what did she say again? You're not going to buy my husband a hot dog. Got it. Okay, I'm there. Okay. (laughs) Shelly then hits Tabitha with a bat. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, and I'm like, okay, I see the connection, like baseball bats, hot dogs, hot dogs. ballparks. <laughs> I get it. I fucking get it. It's fine. But Creative, ugh, Shelly. Uh, then Shelly drops the bat and jumps on Tabitha. Junior takes a gun and tells Christy, the cousin, who is uninvolved in any of this, although Tabitha is really uninvolved either, uh, tells her to get <laughs> under the desk in the office. Shelly starts punching Tabitha. And Tabitha said, I looked into her eyes and it was just blank. I couldn't see anything, which is what you hear about everything. You hear it about polar bears. You hear it about killers. Blank eyes. Yeah. Okay. Note note to self. (laughs) Um, Shelly says again, you're not going to mess with my husband. I wish she had mentioned hot dogs again, but she did not. Um, (laughs) And Tabitha is like, she says, I'm married. And she tries to hold her hand up to show her ring to this woman. But because she was already so bloody... The ring had slid off and was sitting in a pool of blood on the floor. Oh, my God. 
So then Junior comes over. Again, Junior, who knows none of this is true because there is no affair happening, starts pistol-whipping Tabitha. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Tabitha, at this point, is so confused because she is... She's very aware that no affair has ever happened. Yeah. Christy, who's hiding under the desk, finds her phone and calls her husband to listen and get help. Um... And that at that point, Shelly sees what's going on and decides to take control. She looks at Christy, grabs a gun, points at her head and says, I'm going to split. Oh, she said, I have one hollow point bullet and I'm going to splatter your brains everywhere. Holy shit. Like, Christy has nothing to do with any of this. No. Again, Tabitha doesn't either, but like, in Shelly's mind, it's just like, what's happening now? Um, so Junior drags Tabitha to the back of the garage. At this point, he has duct tape her hands, her feet, and her face. Wow, okay. So she can't see, she can't really speak. Her hands and mouth are now duct tape. Shelly grabs Christy and starts shoving her in the trunk of their car. So they're like, Christy is yelling to Tabitha. Tabitha's trying to yell back, but she has duct tape on her. Neither one can help each other. And... Then Shelly says, hurry up, Junior. We got to get them to the woods. And that's when Christy and Tabitha realize they're going to kill us. They're taking us to the woods to kill us. Wow. Like, terrifying. So Tabitha, she suddenly gets her hands free, and then she unduct tapes. I don't know if that's a thing. Unduct tapes her feet, and she starts (laughs) running. Junior catches her as she gets to the entrance of the garage. But... As she gets to the entrance of the garage, and again, she's all beat up. She was hit with a baseball bat. She was beat up by Shelly. She was pistol-lipped by Junior. Uh, A very shocked customer who was coming to the windshield replacement garage sees all this and calls 911. Yeah, he's probably like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) I mean, this sounds kind of like it's not in the best parts of North Carolina, maybe, but I don't know. There's Um, lots of moss, and they're slipping everywhere. (laughs) There's quicksand. It's a road shit show. All right. (laughs) So um, they get the both women into the car and they start driving. So they're both in the trunk side by side. Tabitha is getting really weak because she has lost a lot of blood from the beating that she has received. And Christy is really worried that she's going to pass out and not be able to wake up. So it's now 1230 PM. So it hasn't been that, that long because this all started at like 1130, 1145. Um, So the girls were holding hands and they were praying and Christy kept picturing her son. Um, She had just seen him in bed before she left for work. She felt like it was the end. She felt like she had to make peace with it. Um, And then all of a sudden they hear police sirens. So police had been alerted by the customer who had made the 911 call and he had given enough information that they found the car and were in pursuit. So um, the car starts taking off. Of course, Shelly and her dumb husband, Junior, are, like, going to try and outrun the police because they're idiots. Uh, they're running red lights. They're speeding. They are the, – the girls in the back of the trunk are, like, flying side to side. Um, wow. And at this Terrifying. point, Chrissy and Tabitha are like, shit, we aren't going to die from a gunshot wound or, like, these yahoos. Like, we're going to die because – we're going to get in a car accident. This car. Yeah. yeah. And we're in the trunk unsecured. <laughs> like we're just out here. God. Um, so then Shelly was driving. She hit a curve in the road. Uh, and the police officer said the suspect broke free from the pavement. I thought that sounded very official. Uh, he said, oh, I heard, <laughs> the suspect broke free from the pavement. 
Tires were squealing. Christy says that she felt the car lift off the ground. Oh, my God. They sheared off a telephone pole and spun into a commercial building. And the impact, Christy and Tabitha said, was painful. Uh, The police officer that was there said, there's no way anyone could have survived that. Unless you're in the trunk. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that being said, Shelly and Junior both survived and they got out. Oh, wow. And she heard them um, because she said she heard Junior get out of the car and was yelling, come on, come on. And she was worried that they, like he was coming to the trunk to get her and Tabitha out to like keep running from the cops. So then when they started to hear somebody opening the trunk, they got real nervous. But when the trunk opened, a police officer was standing over the ladies. Thank God. And he's the police officer who opened the trunk said, I've never seen anyone that scared as when I opened that trunk. Because it was like, obviously a horrific experience. The whole thing, all because of the hot dog. And you just don't know what you're going to get. Like you were all, you're so confused. You're so turned around. You were just in a car accident thinking you're going to be like shot in the the woods. And who knows who's opening this trunk. Oh my God. So, um, the good news is Shelly and Junior were quickly apprehended because uh, they were right there. Uh, for their stupidity and uh, <laughs> attack on these poor women, Shelly got 26 years in prison wow. and Junior Junior got 34 years. He got more. He did. Because I think mm-hmm. part of it is, I think she had s- at least some mental issues like something's going on i mean something was happening he he but knew same fully for well him, though. but he, but but he same knew. for him yeah but he knew nothing was going on but to go and along he still with went it? along with it i don't know i just feel like he's a psychopath yeah I don't know. but whatever yep. so he she got 26 he got 34 um maybe they'll just die in prison who knows i they weren't that old but maybe someone will shank them um <laughs> That's so rude. So a little prison shiny. justice. A little prison justice never hurt anyone, except for the person no. who got killed by the prison justice. But whatever. Um, okay. Uh, the struggle that the ladies put up at the actual garage um, was enough to give police time to uh, find the vehicle and get in pursuit of it. So it was really good that they put up the fight that they did, especially Tabitha who had gotten her restraints off and started running. Because again, if that customer hadn't seen this going oh, on, it would have been goners. Yeah. So it's again, if you are in a situation where someone is attacking you fight as much as you can, because and, you never and know. Don't try to go to that second location. Mm, oh God. No, don't go to the second location. Um, also, if you guys don't know, I think I forget what year it is, but most cars these days, I think all cars these days have to have one. Um, but if you're in a trunk of a recent a recently made car, uh, there is a pull tab to um, emergency release the trunk from inside. Right. So and it also, and it glows in the dark. So if you're in the trunk, don't worry, you should be able oh, to see it. It glows in the dark. I didn't know that. Yes. So um, if you're in an old car, uh, they say punch out the back uh, tail light and put your arm through it and wave at people behind you. Great advice, both of those things. Hey, Love thanks. It. That's what I'm also, here for. Also, don't buy hot dogs for people. Yeah, I guess, I mean, unless you really know them. She's trying to be nice, though. Like, yeah, I mean, it's so bizarre it's just, to me. Like, I know. I feel it's, like anything she would have done, it would have, like, for some reason, like, 
Shelly just had her like eyes set on. Yeah, I think no matter what she would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she if she had you know, I don't know, done something stupid like tapped him on the shoulder. She probably been like, "Why is she touching you?" You know, like she just sounds like she had some sprues loose. Um, But the good thing is, is um, Christie's. Christy got to see her son and her husband again. Her son had asked where she had been for so long, and she just said, "I was at work." Oh God! She didn't want to tell her, her five-year-old son what yeah. happened. Um, yeah. And Tabitha, I think she got married to her boyfriend, and she also now has a son with her husband. So they're moving on, um, and justice has been served and is being served currently uh, since this happened in two thousand four. So that is the story of Christy and Tabitha. Great story. You're such a good on the cuff storyteller. That that hot dog situation got me. I was like watching this and I'm like, (laughs) well, because it's so it's not even like it was a romantic dinner or like a fancy dinner or like anything. Like it was just a nice, just like it's it's like bringing donuts in. Yeah, yeah, it's like bringing donuts into the office. It's like like, it's it's not even like they went to lunch together alone, and that seems suspicious. It was like, and even that's okay. Like for everyone. Right. Here for Super everyone. Weird. Anyway. All right, Kenny, Super you got some weird, weird news for us? I Lay do. This up. Uh, so a study shows that blank is skyrocketing amid the coronavirus quarantine. I know this can be many things. Mm, I'll, I'm gonna s- I'll, I'll say uh, it relates to a specific website. Oh, oh my God. Is it Pornhub? No. But I mean, oh, I'm assuming that did skyrocket too. That is not that <laughs> Yeah, I would think that would too. Um, okay. Is it? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I mean, there could be so many things. Um, how to make your own alcohol? How? I mean, I don't know. Uh, thirsty tweets is skyrocketing according. <laughs> what are thir- What's that? I don't know what that is. Tweets with terms like nudes and dick pic appearing oh. alongside coronavirus have jumped three hundred eighty-four percent. Damn, guys. Also, the use really? of the peach and the eggplant emoji is up 46%. Wow. People are horny during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, do you really want to see a dick pic? Maybe I've just been out of the game too long. I don't know. I do not. I don't. Don't, don't do it. Just send me flowers. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, get the, I, I get the thirst tweets. I get it. If someone's yeah. super hot, I'm not going to, like, not say they're hot. Um, yeah, that's okay. But I don't but... feel like I've increased my usage of them during this time. If I, I had feel to like... guess, it's probably single people. Who are oh, yeah, for sure. So. But even then, I feel like I'd have other things to worry about. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's an, Amazing. That's a good one. God. Mm. Yikes, you guys. Keep it in your pants. Or get it out of your pants. Apparently, you guys need to get some stuff touched. (laughs) Hot dogs and thirsty tweets. Got it. Mm, That is the title of this episode. Recap. (laughs) Polar bears, hot dogs, and thirsty tweets. Um, All right. So if you guys uh, don't remember or haven't listened to us before, during this uh, time of isolation, we are doing um, a little smaller episode on Thursdays. It is a, kind of an extended weird news. So make sure you check that out. It drops on Thursdays. Our regular episodes drop on Tuesdays. 
And if you like us, make sure you um, leave us a little rating and review. It really helps get the word out. And I guess that's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Ah. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next week.